welcome back to Occasional Randomness. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and joining me, as always, my fellow co-host, someone who's not seeing things that aren't there, Jason Johnson. Oh, good. Uh, for a moment there, I was worried I was seeing ghosts again, but not not this time. So, okay. I guess to paraphrase the 1984 Ray Parker Jr. song, You Ain't Afraid of No Ghost? It depends on the ghost. Yeah, you know, some are scary, some are happy, some are friendly, you know, like yeah, Casper, yeah. you know, or... Yeah, I, I don't want to get slimed, so let's, let's stay away from the slimers, so... And I, I don't want to get into the sun either, so let's not do that. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, you have to watch out for them sun ghosts. Those are those are bad ones. <laughs> All right, speaking of which, uh, that can only lead into what we're going to talk about today, which is just the one episode this time, uh, Farscape Season 3, Episode 12, Meltdown. Yeah, it was a, a, a seamless intro there. All smooth. Yeah, you know, that's, you know. We're, we're professionals now. <laughs> On brand. <laughs> or, or, something, or, or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, just the one today, because um, we're kind of in the middle of nothing else kind of happening on TV. However, by the time we do our next one, there'll be some new things out. Like, you know, I just did, before this watch, the new Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 premiere. But coming out next week as we record this will be the latest Marvel series on Disney+, Plus, Secret Invasion. So we're thinking that will probably be what we tackle next, or in addition to Farscape. So stay tuned probably next time for, depending on when we do this, at least one episode of Secret Invasion. Maybe two. We'll see. But if we talk about it, is it a secret? Yeah, so is it, is it the first rule of Secret Invasion? Don't talk about Secret Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, a friendly reminder, if you like our little podcast, please give us a like or a thumbs up or a review wherever you listen to this. Or better yet, help spread the word and get new followers for us. Because that'd be fantastic. We would appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Especially for our listeners in, uh, let's see, France, Canada, and Australia. So shout out to the national folks. It's, it, it's impressive you put up with listening to you know, some of us. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> or both of us, whichever. I, I wasn't going to speak for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For, so For, 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 uh, for, us, for us knuckleheads, yes. Yeah, yeah. We occasionally get something right, but anyway, it's in the title, so that's what you yeah. get. That's all you get, yeah. All right, so let's roll into our recap of uh, Farscape Season 3, Episode 12, Meltdown. We did play some bets on that uh, last time, or at least predictions. I guess we don't bet, but we'll have to revisit that at the end of the, of the recap and see how we did. Oh, sure, not go back and look what we said. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Spo spoilers, we didn't do good. Uh, no. So we open with Kreis preparing to shoot Zalix soon, which, you know, reminder, that's Aaron's mother. But instead, he tries to bargain with her, saying that he will exchange Talon, the escaped prisoners, and even Crichton for Aaron and his reinstatement as a peacekeeper. He then turns to the camera asking, is that what you think happened, Crichton? And we're back on Talon as uh, he tells Crichton that he knows he will never be a peacekeeper again. Yeah, so that's a great uh, fourth wall break, which I don't think's ever happened on Farscape. I remember. But is it a fourth wall if he was actually talking to Crichton and not us? Hmm. Fifth wall? No, I don't know. Yeah. So Aaron joins them on command and mentions that another Peacekeeper retrieval squad will be sent after them, prompting Crichton to tell Crace that he should be noble and jump ship. As Crace reminds Crichton that they're chasing Talon too, he suddenly feels pain in his head and says that Talon is out of control, and they're flying directly into a sun. 
Of course. You know, you can't miss a sun. It's, it's pretty big, so. Yeah, not the brightest idea, but. <laughs> well, <laughs> or maybe. Craze <laughs> tells everyone that the sun is emitting radiation that is compelling Talon to fly into it, and he cannot get control. Talon does manage to change course just in time. Everyone goes to assess the damage, leaving Crace on command. As Crichton and Aaron assess a damaged conduit, some mist starts to vent through the walls, but neither see it. Stark finds some mist too and hears a voice, which he thinks is Talon. Aaron and Crichton continue repairs when Aaron tells Crichton to pay attention to his work. He places his hand on her leg, prompting banter about how easily distracted Crichton is by her. To prove her point, she purposely drops a spanner and bends over in front of him. As they start to make out up against the wall, Crichton notices the mist. Back on command, Crace tells Crichton that the mist is Drexum, which is Talon's equivalent of human adrenaline. Crace says that it may have an effect on them all, but it should be manageable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Aaron enters and says that it's too late for any kind of mass to prevent any effects, as they would already be affected. When Crace leaves, Aaron and Crichton start gazing at each other. Mm-hmm. Stark hears a voice in a room that he's never seen before. A woman manifests herself from the mist, calling herself Sierna. She says that she seeks the pilot, but realizes that this Leviathan is different from others. Apparently, the room is a pilot's den. She proceeds to tell Stark that she's trapped. After an accident on her Leviathan, everyone but her was killed, and she floats around but remains unseen until now. She then says that only Stark can save her. As Aaron finds some faulty systems, an intruder enters command, saying that he wants to help them. He says his name is Muquilis, and if this ship is a Leviathan, then they must leave immediately. They are in grave danger. He says that 83 Leviathans have already died here, and Talon will as well. Crichton and Aaron all remain cautious as they question his origins, along with Crace. Crichton and Aaron get close and start touching each other. Muquilis says that he tries to warn the Leviathans, but they always perish. Crace doesn't buy it and orders him to leave the ship. When he doesn't, Crace and Talon fire on him. How rude. Yeah, really. He should have just left. Sierra tells Stark that he must get away from the sun quickly. Euquilus found her and kept her from dying and now keeps her here. Maybe he wasn't the good guy. Apparently, he murdered her ship. Nope. And <laughs> all its passengers. He's luring Leviathans to their doom with this siren star under contract from other builders whose sales are diminished by the sale of Leviathans. Sierna tells Stark that she wants her life back, but he says that she's already passed beyond life. She perished with her shipmates. Muquilis has trapped her soul between realms. However, she doesn't believe that she is dead, and he offers to help her cross over anyway, saying that only he can release her. Aaron and Crichton continue to make repairs and realize that they can't be near each other and be able to concentrate. They must focus on repairs or they will get distracted. Uh, speaking of distracted, Rigel is eating in his quarters. Evidently, that's the effect it has on him when Stark brings Sierra to see him, but Rigel can't see her. He thinks that Stark has gone crazy, and Stark explains that only he can see her. He takes her out of the room when Mucillus comes to take her home. He says that she can't stay here because the ship is doomed and tells her that Stark can't help her. Sierra tells him that she will stay on the ship, and Stark says that he can free her. Aaron rushes to finish her repair so that she and Crichton can make out. Just then, Talon starts to rumble. Apparently, the pulses have changed, and Sierra tells Stark that Muquilis is luring the ship back in. Crace can't change course, and Aaron can't block the pulses out. When Stark goes to the pilot station to try and guide Talon away, 
he is caught by tendrils from it. Crazy's neuroresponder dies, and all systems go down. Stark has now bonded with Talon and guides him away. Ben tells everyone that they are saved. He soon notices that Sierra has vanished because they've gone too far, and so he goes back to get her. He tells everyone that he is now Talon's pilot. Crace tells Crichton and Aaron that Talon must have developed a rudimentary pilot's den, saying that the Viathan physiology is complex and some genes must not have been filtered out. Crichton goes and shoots Talon's guidance systems so Stark can't maneuver. Stark gets a DRD to shoot at Crichton and Aaron, but she manages to take it out first. Crace goes to the den, but finds the door locked, so he tries to persuade Talon that he's trying to help him. Crichton and Aaron are guarding the conduit and decide that they have time to make out. Again? Yeah, seems to be time for that. Sierna comes back, telling Stark that he's risking everything by returning. He tries to cross her over, but it doesn't work. Rigel continues to eat when Crace comes to him. Rigel begs Crace to shoot him because he just can't stop eating. Crace says that he needs Rigel's help. Stark is a mutineer and has taken Talon, and he needs Rigel to try and slip through the ventilation ducts. Rigel says that he's not slipping through anything when his stomachs are that size, but Crace tells him that he's captain and is giving Rigel a direct order. Rigel tells him to get close and then bites his ear. And serves him right. Yep. And, you know, in the standard Rigel attack methodology. Buquillus appears and tells Stark that he is stopping Sierna from crossing over. Sierna says that if she goes back, then Buquillus can let Talon go, but Buquillus says that it's out of his hands. She then leaves with him against Stark's wishes. Talon has apparently gotten too close, and Stark tells everyone that he can't fight it and apologizes for failing them. Aaron goes to the den, where Crace starts to give her orders. He pulls his gun on her when she refuses to help, and she laughs and runs off. Crichton's back on command and tries to get Stark to give him control of Talon's cannon so that he could destroy the lure. Stark starts going over all of his failures when Crichton calls Aaron his Zan and says that he would do anything for her, even die for her. But Stark is killing his Zan. Stark gets emotional and returns some controls. Aaron arrives on command and says that they only have one chance and she will prime the cannon. She convinces Stark to fire the cannon by saying that Zan is speaking through her and it is her wish. Sierra appears to stop Stark, and Mucullus arrives on command to strike a deal to release them. They refuse his demands, and Talon fires. Mucullus turns to dust, and Stark crosses Sierra over. We wrap up with Crace cutting Stark free from Talon, and saying that Talon is now off-limits to him. Stark says that he knows how Talon feels, and what he thinks about everything, including Crace. Crace tells him that he knows nothing, and threatens him with his knife. Meanwhile, Crichton joins Aaron on command, where she tells him that Talon is better. Since everyone is busy, he says that they have about an arm, and they close the door. A little trivia from this episode. Mark Mitchell, who played Muquillus, would fall deeply asleep in the makeup chair each morning while his makeup was being applied. Which I thought was pretty apt. And Yeah, and I guess when it looks like that good of a makeup job, it probably takes several hours. So yeah, it makes sense to me. The scenes in Talon's vestigial pilot's den were shot on the sets of Moya's pilot den with the pilot puppet removed. For the scene where Stark joins with Talon, the tendrils going into Stark were actually pulled off of Paul Goddard and the film was reversed. Claudia Black joked that the crew had become so accustomed to her making out with Ben Browder during rehearsals that they would go for coffee breaks rather than watch. And finally, when Crace informs Crichton that the gas 
leaking from talent has the potential to affect behavior. Crichton remarks, we won't go all crackers, will we? Which is, uh, he is referring to the episode, Crackers Don't Matter, which we've established is the greatest episode of Farscape so far. This is true. Or at least the most referenced. I'm not sure, uh, which is true. We've repeated that, that the crackers don't matter so often that now it, they do. That, that's my takeaway from that. Uh, what you, <laughs> what you think of Meltdown, Eric? Well, I'll get to the crackers here in a second. But uh, yeah, this is definitely an episode of Farscape. Uh, I'll give him that. Uh, uh, good. I was worried I watched something else there. For yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of coming around to it slowly, but so far it's, it's okay overall uh, for me. But it, it kind of seemed like it was almost like a maybe 35-minute episode that they kind of stretched into a 50-minute episode. And, of course, comparing it to our favorite episode, which you just mentioned, our favorite Crackers Don't Matter, that one kind of did the whole crew acting irrationally thing a little better. Maybe because there were a few more characters to deal with in Crackers than here because they've split the crew up. And so kind of spending more time on less people doing the same things. It was kind of repetitive a little bit. Although, you know, there are some good points. I mean, I, I did like the Stark plot line. You know, they finally gave Stark's character more to do, and Paul Goddard certainly did a wonderful job with it. You know, I think he ran with it pretty well. What do you think about the show? Yeah, while, while watching it, this was evidently, it was, you know, definitely obvious to me that they felt they needed to do a Stark-based episode, right, and give him more of a presence, because you know, since since he's kind of joined the crew, especially as a full cast member, we really haven't had a a Stark centric focus, right? It's just been kind of uh, he's been a periphery character. He's pitched in here or there, but honestly, not really sure if he's he's not hindered more than hurt. You know, especially as he kind of himself said when he was recapping his failures. And, and I can kind of see what you mean. This was a uh, another bottle episode. You know, we're confined just the ship, and it was it did, they did rehash. You know, we we revisited. Rigel eating. We definitely revisited Crichton and Aaron getting distracted, but to maybe those points were hit on a couple times too many. But yeah, overall, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, there was some some character development, getting to see Stark, and a couple things we got out of it that I think made up for the yeah. It's just another one of those episodes where the air quote villain, the 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 antagonist was not that that interesting, but the stuff that happened around it was worth it. Yeah, right. And yeah, you know, because this is back in the day of, you know, 22, you know, 20 plus episodes per season with a halfway large cast, you know, you can spend time finally to, you know, go in depth on somebody. Unlike modern shows where you have like 10 episodes, you can't maybe spend the whole episode on one character that's not the main character, right? So and, and unless it's the Mandalorian in a in a season of Boba Fett. Well, yeah, but that's that's the exception, or or this is the way, whichever one, whichever you want to go. But yeah, so yeah, it's it's time for a Stark-based episode, pretty much. You know, it's been twelve twelve episodes here. You know, he was been in probably like what half a dozen or maybe a dozen before that. So, you know, yeah, it's it's time to give him something to do and, and learn more about him and just have his character explored more. So, you know, I'm sure by the end of the season we're gonna get a jewel episode or at least more for her to do. Other than just kind of hanging around, but yeah, I thought it was, it was about time that you know Stark got something to do besides kind of be moody and just say weird things and hang around the background. <laughs> well, and, and that's an interesting point there because, and this is a bit of a tangent, but you know, I've always struggled with Stark because I feel like they can't make up their mind if he's supposed to be this 
uh, powerful, help you pass over, comforting figure. Like he was almost introduced, you know, or a goof, can't do anything right character. And they, they, he has two extremes. I don't think there's a, a middle for Stark. He just kind of bounces back and forth between almost annoyingly incompetent and a shaman and kind of just bounces. Yeah, or like one minute sane, next minute crazy as a, as a loon. You know, it's like, which one is it? Which, I mean, that could be just, you know, how he floats around. And, but yeah, he acts kind of like, yeah, ditzy sometimes. And a lot, a lot of times here, like solid, got a purpose, got a def- definition. He's going, he's, he's directed, he's not scattered. So yeah, it's kind of like a, very fluid kind of character <laughs> which may be what they're going for it's just kind yeah. of hard to track yeah and it's also good for the actor to kind of play loose and crazy you know it's, i'm sure it's fun he's the murdoch of this team <laughs> actually he does look like him too doesn't he <laughs> he does <laughs> all right so I, it's been a while since i did a uh farscape to uh other crew comparisons so now i'm gonna have to work on my a-team yeah, so all right we got, we got howlin mad stark <laughs> So Kreit would have to be Hannibal because he's got the plans. Although he kind of is the face man too. Huh. Yeah. I'll say Dargo's BA. We, we, that, that, that's easy. Yeah. I see. I was thinking to say BA was Rigel, but okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, from an opposite perspective. Yeah. Like a little, little short puppet thing acting like big Mr. T. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And then we got the revolving female character in 18, but oh, anyway, we will and that's where it falls apart. So anyway. yeah, I was gonna say it, it, it really doesn't hold up at that point. So, although still, I know for sure that they ripped off Guardians of the Galaxy from Farscape. That's I'm sticking to that. And even James Gunn said that, I think somewhere. So there you go. Canon. That's right. Lock it in. We we called it. <laughs> yeah. To be specific, Talon's canon. But yeah, go ahead. Hey. There. All right. So yeah, I, as we kind of commented on at the beginning, nice opening fake out. With we're thinking that we're having a flashback scene where we learn that you know Crace once again has ulterior motives and spared Zalek's son, uh, but then no turns around and just you know cuts to the camera and basically tells Crichton so that's what you thought huh and you know so that was kind of cool although despite what Crace says yes I do think that's exactly what you did and we're going to see her again sometime this season because we haven't really gotten the full resolution to the Aaron mom thing so well. And, and they obviously can bring the actress, actress back, right? Because they brought her back for this scene because this wasn't part of what we saw in the original. So there's some at least some more footage there that we haven't seen. But yeah, no, no argument. I, I think the fake out was cool. And, you know, it's a cool way to show that approach and remind people that's what happened for people who may not be as pessimistic as us and, and remember these things, especially if, you know, this was airing on streaming TV. Or, sorry, uh, uh, over airing TV? Yeah. Well, I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, so yeah, old TV. Either, yeah. Old TV, as far as a new TV, and so it may not have been easy to to go back and pick up episodes you missed. Yeah, and why drop it like a couple episodes later when people might have forgotten or whatever? So yeah, they're, they're gonna bring her back again. They have to. Yeah, n- n- nice little tease to get us ready for it's like oh, Grace lied. What? <laughs> so, Never saw that coming. Yeah. He's such a trustworthy character. Inconceivable. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> Yeah, we've been dropping Princess Bride the last couple episodes, too. Anyway, all right, yeah, so I guess the, the big central plot, really, of this episode, not the guest characters, but what they got pulled into, was, I guess, this Drexum mist from Talon kind of exaggerates the uh, natures or impulses of the crew. As we said, you know, Rigel, of course, becomes an unstoppable eating machine, because that's 
as we learn from Crackers Don't Matter and <laughs> from here and other places, Raja loves him a good meal. Crace becomes pretty much the ultra peacekeeper, more militant and authoritarian, barking orders and demanding obedience or he's going to shoot people. I, I didn't so, notice a change. but Yeah, so pretty much nothing new, really. And of course, the, most of the episode, Crichton and Aaron become super horny and fortunately towards each other, <laughs> so, <laughs> which would have been weird otherwise. And Stark becomes even more emotional, as we talked about before, and wants to be the hero and save everybody. And he does kind of pull it off, so good job there. So, yeah, great, great concept. And like we said before, you know, I think you know, Crackers did it a little bit better. And probably the John Aaron thing had like maybe two scenes more they probably should have, in my opinion, to just kept going on and on. It's like, yes, we get it. <laughs> they really want to make out with each other, which, I don't know, maybe, like I said, off, off recording, maybe I was just in a mood when I watched this. I don't know. But it was kind of sad, d- disappointing that, We've wanted to get them together for so long, and now this episode is just kind of like dialed way up past 11 when it was like, okay, a little too much. I can see that, although I have to say I enjoyed the the less serious Erin that we got here. She was a lot more playful than we've had in a lot of things, and part of that may be the miss. But I think her loosening up in the this setting seems to be contributing. So I, at least in my head canon, I kind of enjoyed that. I did kind of, as I was, we were talking about the mist, so it got me thinking. There's, there's the reference she makes to we've already been exposed, so there's no use in wearing masks, right? Part of that's that Farscape doesn't wear masks, right? That they, they wanted you to see the actors, unless they're under a lot of makeup. But how does that work long term, right? Because if they've already been exposed to it, and so it, further exposure doesn't matter, does that mean it never wears off, or are they always going to be this way? It, it just kind of that, that statement didn't make any sense to me. It seems to be that it would have been smarter to get masks and cut down on the exposure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've already been affected, and you would think keep being breathing in would affect you longer because it takes a while to get off your system. So you could have put a spacesuit on, unless did she say like it got into the like the spacesuit or something? Like, I think something like it got into the spacesuits too or something. I may have missed that. I just caught the reference to you know we've already been exposed, so we don't need to. There's no sense in worried about it. And I'm like, well, that's not usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like it's like other things where, oh, you got exposed, you're, you have it forever. It's like, well, then you're in trouble because once it goes away, it's not going away. But yeah, they'll be like this forever now, which would be really annoying to see this in two episodes from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to end well for Rigel. So. Yeah, well, apparently they're all out of food now, as we learned at the end of the episode. So yeah, he's pretty much done. I mean, he's going to starve to death now because <laughs> there's no more food. Right. But if he goes to the planet to get more food, then that planet's going to run out of food. So. <laughs> They just got to find more crackers. That's what they got to find. Yeah, all those too, though. Yeah. But, you know, they don't matter. And then I guess we have our reasons for why we're here. We got our, our two little guest stars. Not little, but, you know, they're people, you know, full-grown people. But So, <laughs> and, you know, it was, a, it was a cute little interesting plot line, interesting concept. You know, there's a shipbuilding race or planet or wherever they were that, I guess apparently because the Viathans are so popular as ships that people are buying them. I didn't know they were for sale, but okay. They're buying the Viathans, so there's less ships for them to sail. So, hey, let's hire somebody to entrap and destroy the Viathans so that there'll be a shortage of ships, and we'll make lots of money by selling ours. So, okay, interesting concept. <laughs> Don't quite fully understand the whole mercantile buying and selling of Leviathan deal and how many of them there are out there and wherever they're 
from, but okay, I'll, I'll go for it. It's a cool, cool premise. Yeah, actually, I think this is probably one of the. I feel like it's the wasted re- premise of the show that that would have been potentially more interesting than even the the behavior modification and all the, all the drama with the uh, she can't cross over thing. Because I think there's some potential for some interesting stuff of back history on Leviathans and other ships, right? But I don't know that it would get to revisit it. I just think I think that's an interesting concept that there's other shipmakers out there that are competing with Leviathans, but Leviathans are so much better. But yet we don't run into that many Leviathans. We you know we we, we see Moya and Talon, but we really haven't came across a whole lot of Leviathan ships that we we're seeing them interact with. Yeah, and like the Leviathans from the one episode where with where Zan and um, Pilot met like the creators of Leviathans, like the designers, the whatever genetic people that created Leviathans. Okay, so they made them, and then they just I guess they're off on their own. They they can breed themselves because I guess that's how it works. I mean, it's they're they're biological, so you know that's how new biological things get created. But I'm just picturing like is there like like a Leviathan ranch, like a, a Leviathan like used car dealer? It's like hey, check us out, low mileage. You know, I got you know like like <laughs> I just don't oh. understand. No, we, we know the peacekeepers are, are doing something with them to keep their, their stock up. But yeah, I, I guess that means there's a private industry out there breeding Leviathans as well, which is interesting. Again, there's there's a potential here that I would have liked backfilled. So. Yeah, we could have maybe gone more into that. But Yeah, yeah I need to reference the, the Farscape uh, technical guides and figure that out. Yeah. I'm sure somebody's got those. And apparently he's been around, Mucullus has been around long enough to entrap somehow 83 other Leviathans. So, I mean, he's, I guess, made a good dent in the, uh, <laughs> in the sales there. I don't know. Yeah. And, and not to gloss over it and not to jump to the end, but I do have questions about what happened to him. How is, how is he tied to the lure? Because they shoot the lure and it kills him. So there, there's Mucullus questions there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and speaking of which, uh, apparently he's just, you know, your plain old pervert uh, by somehow keeping Sejourna, Sierjna, whatever. We said that 14 different ways, but that's anyway. Her soul or life force you know, for I don't know how long, because we don't know how long he's been there. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're out there killing 83 Leviathans over some period of time, it's probably long and lonely and, you know, he needs some companionship, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, you know, based on the rate of. Uh, you know, the frequency of Leviathans, which we just determined was not that many. And for the number he's killed, there must have been a, a good amount of time that he's been out there luring them in. So he needed some company. Yeah. And like whatever powers he has to be able to keep somebody from dying, which is kind of like the opposite of Stark, who can, you know, let them release themselves. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's like, and he's kind of like appears and disappears. So is, is he like an energy kind of being? Is he corporeal i don't know it's you know they didn't really go into it but he reminded me a lot of was it maldris from the first yeah season? kind of reminded me of that with his powers but but in the end how powerful is he when he can just be killed by a blast from a little baby leviathan so anyway and it wasn't even him that got blasted it was something yeah so maybe it, like sent him back to wherever he came from or maybe my own head head cannon <laughs> you know that you know some other dimension or something but who knows yeah maybe we'll see him again probably not and you know we, we do learn some new things about our little little Leviathan buddy here uh, that apparently creates is like yeah I guess we didn't quite breed everything out of the our version of a Leviathan so apparently Talon's developed his own little pilot's den which is cool although I guess it's not so 
rudimentary that it doesn't work. So, I mean, you know, Stark did manage to join with him and it succeeded. He basically became the pilot of Talon, you know, kicked Krace off of, you know, his little melding, mind melding or whatever, whatever they have there. Which I have questions about, right? Because I always thought that only pilots could become pilots, which is why Aaron's good at it because she now has pilot merged DNA. See, DNA monster? DNA, anyway. Mad scientist. Anyway. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's it. No one's a monster. DNA mad scientist. See that episode. Or don't. Just take her. Yeah, don't. Part. Please don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yet, you know, on, and maybe it's a special thing with uh, Talon, but Stark, who's shown no pilot history all of a sudden can now become a pilot so i think that's that's an interesting thing it, 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 is he permanently bonded like pilot and he can't leave if he were to retain the role how does he get nutrition anyway it's, there's some fun stuff there too yeah although at the end you know Crace cuts him out so i guess it's not painful like when pilot got removed from moya and he was like screaming and went oh catatonic and almost died so i guess or he was there for a long time too so maybe if yeah so it wasn't quite the same as a real pilot you know which obviously Crace also isn't the same as a pilot he's got the, the, like the little neuro chip thing in the back of his head or whatever so yeah it's a little different so i guess yeah talon's got a little different to the rules because he's not quite a real leviathan or a full leviathan i guess you should say yeah he's a real boy yeah <laughs> but then apparently we learned from his couple hours worth of bonding there with talon that he knows what talon thinks about Crace, and apparently from Crace's reaction that he didn't really appreciate that too much so i'm guessing talon doesn't really like Crace. hmm surprise there <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that may be the best thing to come from this episode, at least from a moving the show forward. Uh, and I'm hoping that um, that'll come up again when we uh, revisit this half the crew. Yeah, because you know, they've pretty much alluded to it on and off since we've seen Crace and Talon that, yeah, they don't really have a harmonious bonding. It's more like, you know, constant headbutting and, you know, obviously Crace, the control freak, wants to be in charge and, you know, demand everything. I'm sure Talon being the young i guess adolescent or whatever wants to be like his own his own person his own life right so you know it's interesting we'll see i'm sure it's going to develop obviously because they don't keep dropping these hints every so often so there's going to be some kind of i don't know ultimate or penultimate thing going to happen here and probably this season sometime between the two of them right and i guess yeah speaking of fun scenes i guess besides eating all the food on talent which we talked about rigel does get his little a little moment to shine where Crace comes in all blustery and ordering Rigel around and basically Rigel tells him to go frell himself and he's not going to do anything. And then when Crace gets too close to him, he bites him on the ear. So good job, Sparky. You go, boy. You'd think by now the crew would know not to get within biting range, but maybe Crace didn't get the memo being less exposed to Rigel. But I also wanted to mention that, you know, while it may be overused in some episodes. I think they, they use just the right amount of helium jokes in this, this episode. So that was, that was some interesting points there as he continued eating. Yeah. I almost forgot about that, but yeah. (laughs) Once again, we keep bringing that up, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went to his room and brought some other stuff up. So yeah. Right. (laughs) But I was fine. I was like, you know, you know, please shoot me. I can't stop eating. Like, well, that's a little extreme there, buddy, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Guess that, that shows what he's, his, uh, ultimate desire is right so yeah it's like you know you can't get like locked up you can't be tied down no go ahead and kill me because like... yeah although now i'm picturing did you ever see um meaning of life from the monty python movie no i've never actually watched that one i i, I okay. stuck with holy uh, i stuck with holy grail for most of my watching 
because there's one you know it's a, it's a bunch of skits so there's one at towards the end or actually is the end where this like big huge guy goes to a restaurant and just basically like eats everything in the restaurant <laughs> and then he's like you know i'm full and the guy's like you know how about your, your final like you know after dinner mint you know and it's like no i can't here just just one little mint and then okay and he eats it he blows up <laughs> but, <laughs> so that's what i was kind of thinking what happened with you know, he's like you know gonna be like you know big swell tummy like you know i'm gonna blow up if i eat anything else but yeah it wasn't it wasn't meant to be no which is good because we like Rigel. we don't want him to explode that was my mint joke <laughs> yeah all right well i guess kind of a short episode ish uh anything else you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about i mean overall yeah i mean it was okay to good i guess just some parts went on a little bit longer to me than they probably should have yeah i think i enjoyed it more than you did still not a top 10 episode i mean it was just kind of a, a good middle episode but I, I think i'm discovering that i enjoy this crew more than i do the other one you know so throwing us back on Talon with the Talon crew is is more, I don't know. I, I think they, they, they're more interesting to me. So it'll be interesting as we go back next next time to the other crew, see if I feel feel that way again. But Yeah, because there's more conflict or potential conflict on the Talon crew. Maybe next episode we'll see if it changes to the other side. But yeah, it seems like there's, and plus there's John and Aaron, which we've wanted for like two and a half seasons now. So yeah. I, I am really looking forward to the, them getting back together and the, the the multiple Johns figuring their way out, right? Part that's going to be interesting to me. Yeah, or seeing Moya John's reaction to, oh, that's what I thought was going to happen. Great. <laughs> now, there are a couple I'm not. Thank you. Yeah. And speaking of that Moya crew, so next time we'll be doing Surprise Season 3, Episode 13, which follows 12 aptly named scratch and sniff <laughs> so playing our usual guessing game of what does that mean well after i stopped laughing when i first read that title which is excellent title top title so far of like farscape by the way i don't have a clue what that could be we just had a show about smelling something that makes you be crazy doesn't mean that they can't do that next time and just spin it a different way so you know moy's crew could do the same kind of thing just a little different why not? It worked for them. We have Chiana, so usually that's probably going to be something with her because like, she has some kind of pheromones or something because she's always in bars or recreation areas and getting hit on by people or people like, oh, she's so exotic, you know, and trouble happens, of course, because that's what happens. And of course, last episode with the Moya crew, Dargo told John that Chiana and Jewel need to get off the ship as soon as possible before they start hurting each other. So I'm going to go with that. Something to do with them blowing off some steam or something and hijinks ensue. See, I was thinking it might have something to do with an alien race that they run into while on the aforementioned shore leave. But now you've got me thinking about you know, a mirror setup where each time we do an episode with one crew, we have a mirror of a similar ailment hitting the other crew and see how long we can go with the back and forth. So that'd be kind of funny. Not, 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 not anticipating that. I just think it'd be funny. Yeah, I mean, the last couple episodes have been like bottle type episodes where they haven't done much like location stuff. It's all sets. It's all like, you know, a small, either it's the cast only or maybe one or two guest stars. So if they have a budget, hopefully they're saving it up for something massive coming, which I mean, they're only halfway through the, well, a little more halfway through the season. So they, you know, they got ways to go, but maybe some kind of big extravaganza coming. So who knows? Probably not the next episode, but yeah, we'll see. 
I do feel like it's been a while since we did a multi-parter. So hmm. yeah, I guess they've done. Have they won this season? Yeah, when when um Zan died, right? They had a was that was that last season. <laughs> no, that was last season. Anyway, yeah. So that yeah, it's about time for like a a multi, you know, two three parter. Who knows? You know, with massive budget, cast of thousands. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cast of thousands. <laughs> Not with Farscape, yeah. <laughs> a cast of singles, whatever. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure they'll think of something. Yep. Yeah, they got another uh, yeah season and a half to go. So yeah, they got lots of things to think about. All right, so that is your homework for next time. And yeah, probably also one or more secret invasions also. So that is, I'd say it's your homework, but until you see it on the thing, we don't know what we're doing yet. But at least for Farscape, that's what we're doing next time. So watch that and we'll talk about it next time. See ya. Bye.